Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, what's going on? Not much, Bill. It's a it's a rainy day, but we've turned the corner into May uh, here across the country, and especially here in Chicago. I am absolutely dying to see the sun, and please, for the love of God, let me see it soon. Yeah, it sounds like Ohio is in a very similar boat, so I will uh, hopefully be seeing the sun a little bit later this week, but we will see what happens later. I would hope that uh, that's the last good thing that happens in Columbus, Ohio, uh, between now and uh, end of October or so. Uh, but that's neither here nor there, uh, because we're here to talk about the NFL draft. Uh, it happened over the weekend, and Penn State had uh, six players who were drafted Two NFL teams, Joey Porter Jr., second round of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brenton Strange, second round of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Juice Scruggs, second round of the Houston Texans, Jair Brown, third round of the San Francisco 49ers, Sean Clifford, fifth round of the Green Bay Packers, and Parker Washington, sixth round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A number of other Penn State players have landed places as unrestricted uh, free agents. Jonathan Sutherland to the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Stoll also to the Seattle Seahawks. Mitchell Tinsley to the Washington Commanders, and P.J. Mustafer for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Matt, it was a – there was one big – well, I would say there were two really big surprises involving Penn State guys in the NFL draft between Joey falling out of round one and Clifford going as high as round five. But ultimately, like, it, 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 was, a, it, it was fun. It was fun getting the chance to kind of celebrate these guys, watch them get talked about on ESPN, all that one last time before they make that jump to the NFL. Yeah, it's cool that, uh, you know, you look around and you see all of these programs that Penn State is, you know, trying to catch the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Alabamas, and you see how early, like, they have guys selected. And for Penn State's first selection to come off the board in the second round at pick 32 just shows that all of Penn State's, like, high-end talent is sticking around on the roster for another year. So it was just a great way to celebrate these six players and the ones who got signed as unrestricted free agents. And also just a really exciting time for Penn State because, you know, think about a 10 and two Rose Bowl champion not having a first round pick. Like that's a, that's, depending on how you look at it, that's a really good place to be because there is first round talent on this, on last year's roster. Uh, but it's all going to be back in the blue and white this upcoming fall. Yeah, I mean Joey Porter falling. You know, I'm, I'm if the Dolphins weren't cheaters, he yeah. would have been a first rounder. Like, yeah, it's fun. It's funny because he's a he. He went 32nd overall, which was the second round. I think this was like the second time that's happened this uh, this decade or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure we'll get into Joey talk in a bit. Uh, but let's start on the offensive side of the football. Penn State had four guys on offense get drafted. A few more go uh, places as free agents. Matt, of the four dudes who got drafted, unless you really have strong thoughts about, uh, uh, you know, about uh, Mitchell Tinsley going to the Commanders, uh, what was your favorite landing spot among the Penn State guys? I I love Brenton Strange in Jacksonville. Like I think I think you're going to go that route too, just because. Listen, Cliff Cliff's going to uh, Green Bay. I think guarantees him 
three years of NFL checks. Like, I think he's going to be a competent enough backup to get his pension in the NFL, which is three years. And listen, for a, what was he, Bill, a fifth round pick? That's really all you can ask for. Like, so I, I feel good about Cliff in that regard. But in terms of like actual on field production, Brenton Strange going to Jacksonville, playing with Doug Peterson, who has shown he can use two tight ends really effective. I think Strange is going to go out there and have a really, really solid career. I saw some people say that they reached for Strange in the second round. Like I, I, you and I both saw the mock draft saying this was definitely possible. And I think it's a perfect landing spot. Like there's enough weapons surrounding him on the outside. And Trevor Lawrence is a good enough quarterback that like, you don't have to build the whole thing, like the whole offense, out of getting Brenton Strange the ball. Like he can just be a really good complementary piece, and I think he's going to be a really valuable tight end. In you know, it maybe not exactly in year one. Year one might be a building block kind of year, but starting in year two, like I would, I would look into him pretty early in fantasy football terms. Yeah, and Todd, my my pick is also Brenton Strange. Todd McShay of ESPN actually said. Uh, in a piece that he wrote on uh, a piece that I believe was published on Tuesday, might've been published on Monday, but it was published on Tuesday. I think uh, that he thought that strange was the most underrated player in this entire class. And he did his uh, pick of every, every team's best selection. uh, And strange was the guy that he picked for the Jags. Funny enough, Joey Porter and Jair Brown also got um, also got those nods, but you mentioned something that I really like, which is Doug Peterson and how he likes to use his tight ends, Matt. And Mm -hmm. I actually went back and looked a little bit earlier today because when I think of Doug Peterson and tight ends, I think of Zach Ertz and I think of what Zach Ertz was able to do for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, while Doug was there. As a worse blocker. Yeah. And he... And his first three years in Philadelphia, Strange was a very, uh, not Strange, apologies, Ertz was a very solid football player. That first year under Doug Peterson, similar-ish, he put up pretty similar numbers in his last year under Chip Kelly, where uh, he started half the games, and then in the years following that. But once Doug Peterson came in, it was one year under Doug, and then three straight Pro Bowl selections. He was obviously an integral part to the Eagles winning the Super Bowl over the New England Patriots the year that they won it. And if you look at his stretch where he made it to three Pro Bowls in a row, all of which were under Doug Peterson, he averaged about 105 receptions, 1,097 yards, and eight touchdowns a year, which tells me that he's going to a place and an offense and a coach who really values what a tight end could bring. And then you look at the place that he is heading to in Jacksonville, Obviously, it's going to be a little different this year uh, because they bring back their top two receivers, plus they're adding in Calvin Ridley after his year-long suspension. But the number three target that Trevor Lawrence looked at last year was Evan Engram, their Mm -hmm. tight end, uh, who got 98 targets, 73 receptions, 766 yards, and four touchdowns. They put a franchise tag on Ingram. There's no guarantee that he's going to be there beyond this season. And when you look at Christian Kirk, uh, you look at Calvin Ridley, they're kind of undersized guys. Zay Jones, about 6'1", 6'2". You put Strange in there, and he gives them the kind of size, physicality, 
you know, what he could do as a blocker, but more importantly, what he could do as a receiver that I, you kind of mentioned it, Matt, I could see Brenton strange. I don't know if it'll happen right away. Cause I think, uh, no, they, it, it looks like the, uh, Jags do start two tight ends. So I suppose it's possible he gets in there and starts a few games. I can see him being an impact contributor right away. Yeah, I think he he's going to play a role. Like this Jaguars team is probably going to go to the playoffs again. And I think, you know, the NFL playoffs are just absolute ratings juggernauts. Like everyone in the TV world knows yeah. that. And, to, you know, for Brenton Strange, you know, the rookie tight end out of Penn State to come out of an announcer's mouth this upcoming winter is a realistic possibility. And that's great. That's great for the program. Like it is good when good players end up on good teams. Like Strange can go in there and just fit pretty seamlessly into that offense and produce like, but again, he's not going to be, there's not that much pressure on your number two tight end that you took in the second round to go in there right. and, and to be a pro bowler. Like he can just take his time. You know, he's, he's, he was in college four years. He didn't take advantage of that extra red shirt year, nor the COVID year. Like he's a younger prospect. I think he's just a guy who he's going to, we're going to look up. He's going to be in the NFL, you know, a decade easily, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going there with Parker Washington. So going to have a nice little bit of familiarity. I'm trying to see if there are any other, Penn State guys on the Jags roster for I don't believe uh, there is right now. I mean for I loving think... for loving rookie hazy purposes. No, nothing. Just uh just the two of them. Yeah. Uh but yeah, then the other thing is you add in again the fact that Engram is on a franchise tag. Yep. Uh going to be 29 this season. Yeah, he turns he turns 29 in September. Probably not a lot of an, I would assume not a lot of an appetite to give him a long-term contract. There's absolutely a possibility that strange kind of has his hand held for a year and then is immediately put into a starting gig, which would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like if that happens, that kind of, you know, I was really high on Brent strange, but that would even kind of exceed what I think I thought was going to happen with him, you know, a year, two years into his NFL career. Uh, Sticking on the offensive side of the ball for a second. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time talking about Juice Scruggs or Parker Washington. Can we talk about Juice Scruggs, actually? Make... Yeah, yeah I go ahead. I cannot believe he was a second-round pick. Like, I I think Juice Scruggs is a very talented football player. I think he has one of the coolest stories in, like, recent Penn State football mm-hmm. memory. I, I think this is just a, a good fit. Like, listen, I don't know if he's going to live up to the second-round hype, but this is a Texans team that went out there and they got, I think the best pure passer in the draft and Scruggs's biggest strength is his pass blocking. Like, I don't think he makes sense in the second for any other team, but the Houston Texans and the AFC South is, you know, I think the Jags probably have it locked up, but it is going to be, I think relatively wide open, at least for the first, let's call it, you know, nine weeks of the year. I think it can be a competitive race and, you know, for the Texans draft to be number two overall, number three overall, and then Juice Scruggs, like they're clearly yeah. investing in the future, but they're also building to be competitive, at least right now. And that's where I think Scruggs has a lot of value. Like, listen, this is a huge feather in Phil Trout, Troutwine's cap. This is the highest yeah. drafted offensive lineman since, is it Donovan Smith? Is that right? I believe I believe that. So like be a right, decade, yeah. like, and, and Trout's been here for, I'll, I'll give 2020, just call it what it is. That wasn't real. So for two actual seasons, I'll call it. And he's already put a dude in the best draft spot that Penn State's had in like a decade. Like 
this is a big, big win for Phil Troutwine and for the program. So I, I want to make sure that, you know, it's easy to lose a center. It's not, it's not a, you know, a flashy position, but this is, that's really cool. Like, I'm really glad we get to tell this story and that Scruggs gets to, you yeah. know, gets to at least have a couple years to, to earn a paycheck and probably start in Houston right off the bat. Yeah. He'll have an opportunity. Uh, uh, general manager Nick Casario from the Houston, Houston Texans said a couple of quotes. This is from uh, Mark Lane of Texas Wire. Uh, the competition is going to sort itself out about how he fits. I would say in his particular case, he has some flexibility, probably more than just center. Uh, Casario then went on to say, uh, when you look at overall positional value and what they provide, that's part of the overall evaluation. I think in Juice's case, it's probably more center than guard. But if yep. he had to go there and play guard, it looks like he'd be competitive other than having your hand on the ball. It's some of the same things that are going to go on inside. The more you can identify, maybe identify guys and have position inside versatility, it's going to enhance the value of the group and in turn enhance the value of the team. So it seems like uh, I, I'd probably agree. I was not expecting Juice Scruggs to go in the second round, but it really does seem like he went to a place that, you know, values something that James Franklin, we knew, no valued with Scruggs over the course of his career, James Franklin and Phil Troutwine, which is that he can line up in any of those three spots on the inside of your offensive line. And I don't expect the Texans to be good for a few years, if that, but it's really cool to see that they're going to get juice in. They're going to let him figure out what his best position is. And then they're going to let him grow uh, in that to start off his NFL career. Yeah, I think he's he's just going to be, I think, a great fit. I think he's going to be a steadying presence for the rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Um, I, I'm just, again, I'm just thrilled for this dude. This is like, it's on par with Clifford for me. Like, how excited I am for Drew Scruggs. Yeah, yeah. so let, let's talk about Sean. What, like, I awesome. thought he was probably going to be a priority free agent. I thought if he was going to get drafted, he'd sneak into the very back of the seventh round. What went through your mind when you saw that he was going to the Green Bay Packers in the fifth round? Well, you know when I knew he was going to be drafted? You 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 explained this a little bit, but please continue. Well, th that's actually a little bit different. Uh, there was the whole point I had where I think Brock Purdy broke everybody's brain and everybody thinks they need a quarterback who can learn pretty quickly and just be a good locker room guy. That was the main reason. But I knew for a fact Cliff was going to be heard when Aiden O'Connell went in the fourth round. I'm like, yep. They're just making runs at dudes. They're making runs at dudes who can just go out there and hold the clipboard and come on in a pinch. So really happy for Cliff. Cliff's interesting to me. I think Cliff in the NFL, and I want to make sure I choose my words carefully here. I do not think Sean Clifford, Penn State version, was better than Trace McSorley. But I think Sean Clifford has a longer shelf life in the NFL than Trace will. Because I think Sean does a lot of things very, very well. He does nothing elite. He doesn't have that gamer mentality, I think, that McSorley had. But Clifford is mobile enough to back up a lot of guys. He is accurate enough to back up a lot of guys. In the NFL, you never want to have to change your offense to your backup. Clifford can adjust to pretty much any scheme anybody's running in the NFL today. Outside of like the Cardinals and the Ravens who's backup for a long time was Trace McSorley. Like Clifford just has the longevity to him. Like, again, he's going to make it three years. He's going to get his pension and anything on top of that is going to be gravy. Like, do I think we'll see Clifford start a game? 
Probably not in his career. Do I think we're going to be tweeting uh, Clifford highlights from the blog account this preseason? Absolutely. Like, this is a dude who is going to last in the NFL because of what he has going on between the ears, and he's just athletic enough to make it work if he has to go out there in a pinch. Yeah, he uh, he went to a really interesting spot in Green Bay because they're obviously dealing with kind of the wreckage that is slash was the Aaron Rodgers era and trading Aaron Rodgers and figuring out what's happening after that. Uh, currently, their quarterback room, it's Sean Clifford. It's Danny Etling, who nice. uh, they got out of LSU last year. They picked him in the seventh round. Uh, and then it's Jordan Love, who is the presumed starter. It seems like he's going to be able to step in right away and be the guy. They just reached a one-year extension with Jordan Love that is going to have him under contract. Um, I think, I believe through 2024. Correct. Through so, next season. Not this coming season. Sorry. Yes. Through the, not three, through the season after this one. That's a horrible way to word yeah, that. Yeah. 2024. Yeah. Yeah. So the, like I, as of right now, yeah, maybe Sean Clifford technically is the backup quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. My, my hunch is they're going to, and this is just based on looking at their depth chart and looking at their roster. I would be shocked if they don't go out and try to get a more veteran steady hand that they can keep uh, in that room in case anything happens to Jordan love. But yeah, I, I think the, I think the thing with Clifford is you're drafting a guy who, you know, you talked Matt about kind of the functionality of what happens if Sean Clifford gets into an NFL game to me. It's the fact that I don't know when Sean's getting up to Green Bay, but he's going to have the playbook memorized. He's going to know what and what not he has to do. He's going to know all the little intricacies of Green Bay's offense from the second that he gets up there. And there's value in that. If the, if the Packers find themselves in a position where Jordan Love gets knocked out of a football game, I don't think they exactly think Unless that, I don't think they're like planning to be a Super Bowl contender if that no. happens. And if that happens, all you want is a quarterback who's able to step in and steady the ship a little bit. And if there's one thing that I think Sean Clifford could potentially do in the NFL, it's he can get in there, he could steady the ship, and I don't think he's ever going to, uh, I don't think he's ever going to like make the kind of mistakes that seem like he doesn't know what he's doing. Now he might step out there. He might not have a strong enough arm. He might not process things quickly enough after the snap, whatever, but he went to an NFL team where there's a legitimate path for him to play some amount of football. And like, I like miracle. And I mean that in like the nicest way possible. If you told me after 2020, Sean Clifford was going to be a drafted NFL quarterback, I'd have thought you were on crack. Like this is a miracle. Listen, Cliff earned it. Like I want to, I want to give the guy his flowers, man. Like this is a, this is a great story. And you know, every single quarterback uh, under James Franklin that started a game at Penn state has been drafted. Um, There's no like, except for four since whatever, there's no like meme graphic here. Like this is, this is real. Like Franklin has, never made a mistake at quarterback. I think that that kind of has been confirmed by what happened this weekend. He's gotten it right for a decade uh, and credit to him and just credit, credit to Clifford. Um, you know, as a bears fan, I will be rooting extremely hard for him regardless um, because I, I just want that guy to, again, 
the Colt yeah. McCoy life is a very good life to live. If you can be a backup in this league for a long time, you're going to make a lot of money and you know, you're going to, you're going to be in a pretty good spot when it comes time to hang up your cleats. And Clifford, it sounds like already sold. I believe he sold limitless NIL for a good chunk of change already. So between his football career, his, you know, his business acumen, I think he's just going to be a great ambassador for Penn state for, you know, the next 40 years. So I, I'm really excited yeah. to see where he takes this. Yeah, it's 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 a thing that gets brought up anytime he's shown on the sideline. But like Chase Daniel has made forty one million dollars over the course of his professional career. Insane. Almost exclusively a backup quarterback. Insane. So like if that if that happens, awesome. If Sean Clifford ever gets into a football game and like looks like he belongs, like awesome. But whatever happens, like he heard his name called. He did something he he did something that like you dream of doing your entire life. The last two football things that have happened for Sean Clifford are one getting a curtain call standing ovation at the Rose Bowl because you were named MVP, and two being drafted by the Green Bay Packers. That guy's living a pretty good life right now. That's a that's uh, a pretty good twenty twenty three. Yeah. So let's uh let's before we get to the other side of the football, let's uh let's start. We'll talk defense in a sec, but let's. Take a second to talk about Home Field Apparel. Matt, what do you know about Home Field Apparel other than the fact that they give us money? They have a hat dropping this week that I am amped about. Mm-hmm. I am so excited to get a new hat. I have a huge head uh, to the point where I went skiing one time and I had to be embarrassed when the guy had to get uh, the biggest helmet they had from the back. So I'm excited to get a hat that's going to make my head look proportional. I can't wait. I did not expect us to go in that direction. Homefield Apparel, sponsor of the podcast. If you're a college sports fan on the internet, you know what they are. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know what they are. If this is your first time listening to the pod, if you usually skip over the Homefield ad, whatever it is, Homefield Premium Collegiate Apparel brand, based out of Indianapolis, right out of Big Ten country. They were rooting for Sean Clifford, like all of us, uh, because they also love Penn State, which is largely because we gave them more money than anybody else, uh, us Penn State fans, when they dropped their Penn State line. If you've never seen uh, home field gear, you don't own any home field gear, shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, uh, joggers, hats. Uh, increasingly hats. Now they have those bomber jackets, which knock on wood, we get a Penn State bomber jacket soon. Uh, but everything that they make, it's comfortable, it's unique. The designs, they take the time to make sure that it makes you feel a little bit closer to your school or it gives you something to learn about another school. I mean, I know of people who have gear from Slippery Rock, even though they went to Penn State. I know people who have gear from Youngstown State. I know people who have gear from all these other schools. Matt, you have gear from uh, non-Penn State schools. UConn, Louisville, UC Irvine, Tulane. Um, I think that's it. Just still a good bit. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got a Hawaii shirt, I got St. Peter's joggers, and I got a couple of those Yukon sad dog pants. Nice. But neither here nor there. If you'd like to get a little bit of Penn State gear, there are 15 pieces of apparel in all in their Penn State line. And if you are a new customer, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order through Home Field Apparel. Again, if you are a new customer, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Thank you as always to home field apparel for sponsoring the podcast. Now let's get back to talking about the NFL draft and Matt will move to the other side of the football guys for Penn state, Joey Porter, 
Jair Brown were drafted, Jonathan Sutherland, PJ Mustafer as free agents. And then, you know, a little, little asterisk there for Chris Stoll. Chris Stoll had himself an evening. He's going to be living in Seattle, which seems like a nice existence. Of the Penn State guys who got drafted, undrafted, free agents, whatever, what is your favorite landing spot for one of them? Uh, real quick, shout out to uh, Jonathan Sutherland. Uh, the CFL draft is tonight, and I've seen him projected as a first-round pick uh, back hey. back in his home country. Uh, so very cool. Very glad he gets a shot in the NFL. Uh, if not, he can go up to the CFL, where I think – oh, my God, Bill, am I going to blank on his name? Is it Geno Lewis is the highest paid player in the CFL currently? Was that right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a very good wide receiver for a team up there. Yes. Uh, so it's just good for him. I'm glad no matter what happens, he is going to be a pro football player this upcoming fall. And that that's really cool. Again, good, good for him. A lot of feel good stories here uh, in this in this current draft cycle. Um, Bill, I know you're going to say Jair Brown. So I'm going to say Joey Porter yep. Jr. to the Steelers is cool. just cool. Like, it's just it's just awesome to see like. This Steelers team needs help. Like they have the longest playoff win drought in the AFC North. Like that's unheard of for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like they have to find a way to start winning football games again and competing at the top of the sport and to go out there and to get an elite corner to help stop a division with three very talented quarterbacks, I think is going to be very valuable. So it's really cool that, you know, it, Pittsburgh is always going to have, it's going to be one of the two recruiting hotbeds in the state of Pennsylvania. So if Penn State can go out there and have a star corner and a star tight end at one of those two uh, professional teams, that would just be really good for Penn State. And then, you know, the, the Porter family to stay in Pittsburgh uh, to keep that legacy going is, is just really neat. And, and Porter's a hell of a football player. He's going to help them hopefully get back on track this fall. Yeah, I, I, I think this is the place where we do this. What did you make of him falling to the second round? And invariably, a guy falls to the second round, even if, you know, there's the technicality of the Dolphins losing their pick, but whatever. What did you make of him falling to the second round and wondering, like, hey, should he have come back, maybe put himself a bit higher up on draft boards, etc.? There are some dudes who fall in the NFL draft or, or, or go lower in the draft because they honestly truly made a mistake. Um, I think Parker Washington was one of those. I think he made a mistake leaving when he did, but also I don't know his situation, so I can't comment on that. That's just from a football perspective. I think Joey made a mistake because I think the NFL is, is mostly dumb. Like I think there's a lot of really dumb people in front offices who don't understand what they're looking for. Like I would take him over banks. I would take him over Forbes. Like, Porter Jr., I think, gets a lot of uh, knocks because of how handsy he was back in 2021. I mean, cut the tape this year. It's completely night and day. Like, they coached that out of him. And the fact that they were able to do that shows he is, still has room to grow. Like, listen, Porter can go out there. He was here for four years. Like, you know, he, he did what he had to do. He took care of business. And I, I, I think it was a good decision. I don't think there's anything he could have improved upon on the football field. I think this was simply... NFL scouts are like NFL scouts decided at one point, Danny Watkins was a first round pick. Like there's a lot of dumb people in NFL scouting departments. And I, I think that's what this was. I think people, I think scouts just flat out made a mistake letting him fall into the second round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was the victim of two teams, the commanders and the giants deciding that the most important thing in their search for a cornerback was 
just the raw athleticism that they have and not how good are they at football and what did they do well? What is their football IQ? What is this? What is it like Emmanuel Forbes and Deontay Banks? The two, one thing you could say about them is they are both like insane athletes, better athletes than Joey. But to me, here's the thing. I watched every video of Joey Porter Jr. after he got drafted. And the reason that I watched every video of Joey Porter Jr. is that after he got drafted, he was so excited to go to his hometown team, the one that his dad became a legend for, all that, that he hopped in his car, drove down, and did impromptu media with everybody. He had a huge smile on his face. It was a dream come true. It was all this stuff. And like, he certainly looked like someone. And maybe I'm wrong here. He certainly looked like someone who doesn't mind that he's going to be making $9 million instead of $14 million or whatever it is, because what he got is something so much more important to him. And he's going to an incredible situation for him. He's getting to be coached by someone who has known him from the time he was about two years old. And he's going to be playing football for a, you know, when we talk about the NFL versus college, when we talk about why we love college football so much, it's because the jersey that you are wearing is something that you chose. It means something to you beyond they gave you the most money in free agency or this or this or this. That's where some, so much of the charm of college football comes from. That same charm doesn't exist for a lot of guys in the NFL. It exists for Joey Porter as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers because this is a thing when Joey Porter was five years old in his backyard playing football with friends or whatever, he was dreaming of himself as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like, I just cannot say in good conscience that someone made a mistake if that's what ended up happening with them. But like you mentioned, Matt, even beyond all that stuff, this is just a perfect fit for Joey. Like this is an unbelievable football fit for Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the Steelers want to play a physical style of defense. This is this is a team that, you know, made their identity, they still have to this day, off of good defense from 40 years ago. Like, that still exists in the yeah. fabric of that organization. Like, they need to get back to it. Like, uh, they need to find a way to start being serious Super Bowl contenders again because that's what the Steelers, frankly, should be. And I think going out there and getting a guy who, who was raised in that culture, I think is going to go a long way for getting them back. So just really, really hope he can go out there. He can you yeah. know, produce and just become an asset for that team. It's going to be cool to see him go up against a lot of talented quarterbacks. The AFC is, you know, I, I cannot believe the talent oh, disparity of quarterback in the AFC compared rough. to the NFC, but like great for Joey. Like he's going to, if he is really what we think he is, we will know very early on. And, and that's exciting. Yeah, and the Steelers went out, added Patrick Peterson in free agency. So he's going to have one of the best in the NFL uh, to learn from those first couple of years. He's going to a defense, has Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Larry Ogunjobi. There's like star power on the defense. So he's unbelievable spot. But for me, you know, you mentioned it. I don't think I could have imagined a better spot for Jair Brown than the San Francisco 49ers. I I know D'Amico Ryans isn't there anymore, going to have a new defensive coordinator, but this is a team that just consistently has freaks all around its defense. It's one of the best at developing defensive players in the NFL. John Lynch, one of the best safeties of all time, watched this dude and went, I need to trade up and go get him. That's how highly they think of him. And he's going to be walking into a situation where – 
one of their safeties is oh god i think he would just like signed an extension i can't remember uh can't remember off the top of my head but basically they have a lot of uncertainty at the safety position so they will be able to bring jair brown along this year and then immediately put him into their defensive backfield right away and i think that is awesome i think that he's going to be in a place where they value versatility for their safeties where they're going to ask him to play a little cover one they're going to ask him to come up in the box. They're going to ask him to outsmart a quarterback before the ball is snapped. And it's just all stuff that we've seen Jair Brown do at Penn state, Matt. And now he's going to be going to an NFL team that is going to empower him and encourage him to do a little bit more and do it in a place where they don't necessarily care that he didn't run a great 40. They just know he's a freak of a football player. The, the rich get richer like that Niners defense is insane. Like it's cool that he's going to be with Kevin Givens. Um, shout out Kevin Givens, yeah. sneaky undrafted dude who's had a hell of an NFL career so far. Um, you know, it's a bummer. I don't get to watch too many 49ers games. Uh, I, I can't imagine you do either just by nature of where we both live, but that's a team that's good enough to be playing in prime time a lot. And Jair Brown is a playmaker mm-hmm. and he's going to be making plays in prime time very soon. Like, this is an insane value pick. I think his 40 time kind of broke a lot of people's brains. Like we see that all the time where somebody runs a little bit off of a 40 time and it, and it t- kind of tanks their stock. I don't care what you say. Jair Bound plays faster than what he ran at the combine, which was like a four, five, six. Like he's faster than that. Like, or maybe in like a four, six, something even he's going to go out there. I'm not worried about him struggling to pick up a defense. He is, you know, he was the FBS interception leader throughout his career back in 2021. He went out there and he made plays behind the line of scrimmage. Like he is everything Jabril Pepper, everything we thought Jabril Prep. Oh my God. Jabril Jabril Peppers. Thank you. Jabril Peppers thought he was going to be in the NFL is what Jair Brown can actually be. This insanely versatile safety who can come up and play like a linebacker when that time comes. Like Jair Brown's going to be a, a very, very good player for a long time in the NFL. And again, for a Juco guy who famously had, you know, not really any offers out of high school to go out there, develop, you know, stay at Penn state for even the bonus COVID year to continue to boost his stock. Like both him and Jaquan Brisker are guys I'm always going to root for. Those Juco guys have it really tough early on and to see him go out there and succeed is just, is just really cool. And I think Brown's going to be a playmaker for a long time in a, NFC uh, West that the Niners, I think, will win, you know, running away this fall. Yeah, and they have both of their starting safeties back from uh, last year. Talanoa Hafanga uh, was in a, a first-team All-Pro selection last year, 23 years old. He's going to be back there for quite a while. And the other guy they have, Tashawn Gibson, uh, 32 years old, going to turn 33 and just uh, signed a one-year contract extension, uh, had a really good year for them last year. So it seems like they could hold his hand a little bit, get him, uh, you know, get him up to speed. And then after this year, have him be the guy who kind of steps in uh, for Gibson. So really good draft for some Penn State guys I know we're all rooting for. Uh, And then speaking of drafts, Matt, there is a – bit of a different draft going on right now when it comes to television rights. Uh, Can you just kind of explain to the people what's happening right now? Uh, And then eventually we'll get into how that impacts Penn State. Yeah, let's get in the weeds with it. And so like this, I I don't know why I think this stuff is like insanely interesting in college football, like everything that happens away from the field that like affects the landscape at large is really cool. I don't know why I'm so into it. But the 
So how I, I used to work in television advertising, so I kind of have an insight into this. Um, so basically how it works is each network goes out there and each of them have rights to the Big Ten now. And by each of the networks, I mean Fox, NBC, and CBS. Under the new media rights deal that Kevin Warren worked out, the biggest Big Ten game of the week will be Fox's Big Noon Saturday. There will then be a traditional 3.30 window, which for a long time was the SEC on CBS. That will have a bit of an overlap this year until the SEC rights go to the go to ESPN almost exclusively in 24. And then NBC is going Big Ten Saturday night on every Saturday night, I believe, but the ones that Notre Dame are home because NBC has exclusive Notre Dame rights for another year. I think that expires very soon. <laughs> okay, keep talking. Great content. Um, so what happens now is ahead of the season, these networks now get to draft what game they want to have on their airwaves. And every year, pick one is the game. It's Michigan. It's Ohio State. Traditionally, game two has been either like a big non-conference game or Penn State, Ohio State. That's how that game ended up as the whiteout fairly often. That's how, you know, if it's Penn State, Michigan, it'll go to that. If Ohio State's playing like Notre Dame or something like that, that's how that works. So with the draft happening now, we're going to pretty quickly learn who has the rights to what game. And just so it's clear, just because Fox has the rights to a certain game does not mean it's going to be on Fox. It could be on Big Ten Network, which is owned by Fox, or on Fox Sports 1, like we saw Penn State, Michigan State this past November. So I hope that was, you know, comprehensive, Bill. If that was if that was a bunch of nonsense, let me know. Yeah. But the draft's so, happening right so now. So, so let's then look at this just from the Penn State perspective. Mm-hmm. It Based on all of that, it seems pretty obvious to me that the overwhelming likelihood is Penn State's whiteout is not going to be the best between Ohio State and Michigan every year, or whatever between Ohio State and Michigan come to the Big Ten uh, or come to Happy Valley because the Big Ten Network or not, not Big Ten Network Fox is going to want that to be an its big prime thing, correct? Which is big noon kickoff, which then leads us to. How is the whiteout going to work going forward, Matt? And to me, it seems like we're looking right at NBC and NBC is going to decide, you know, which Penn State games are going to be in that night slot. And, you know, maybe even Fox decides they want to do this with a lesser Penn State game. But for me, that means that when we're watching Penn State at night and we're looking for a whiteout game, it's going to be whomever Penn State is playing on NBC in a given week. Kind of. I think that if, I don't think we're going to see a Penn State Minnesota whiteout ever again. Like I, I think Minnesota sure. is the lowest. This is no disrespect to the Gophers. Like they, they, they're no. Go a, ahead and disrespect the Gophers. All right, all right, they're not like Iowa. I think Iowa is like the floor moving forward of a caliber of team that gets the whiteout in the Big Ten. If there's a big non-conference okay. game, if there's a renewal of a historic rivalry, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, I think that that could be a prime whiteout candidate. But I think going forward, like. There's no guarantee it's going to be like the big like Penn State, Ohio State or Penn State, Michigan. But like the floor of it is probably like, again, Penn State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Penn State, Nebraska, Penn State, USC. Like, I think the years of it being 
like Minnesota are behind us. I think with how much firepower is in the Big Ten arsenal now with the addition of the California schools and with whatever the non yeah, and with whatever the non conference can look like going forward, I think it's always going to be a pretty big game. Uh, And I hope it happens, you know, earlier and earlier in the year, because anytime you can get the sunset coming in in the whiteout, it just looks amazing. So that's probably where things are headed with the whiteout. Yeah, and then you get the sheer fact that, like, from a television perspective, I don't necessarily think Fox has made a good decision deciding the noon window is going to be its big one. I get why they have, but, like, when you look at something like the Penn State whiteout, that is a super valuable property if you are a television network. And if you are NBC... I'd want to make sure I'm getting a Penn state game early as early as I possibly can and saying that's going to be or as early as I can to this weird draft thing and say, that's going to be the one that I pick. So Matt, let me ask you, when you look through Penn state's schedule, what do you reckon the whiteout game is going to end up being this year? I think it's going to be West Virginia. And, and, and as a, and as a bonus, do you also think that it is going to, uh, do you think it's going to be on NBC or do you think it'll be aired somewhere else? I think it has to be on NBC cause it's a night game. Um, I think it will be West Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. and we talked about this last week. Uh, I think it'll be just really cool for NBC to unveil this return to college football prime time. That's not Notre Dame with Todd Blackledge in the booth at his alma mater in the whiteout at the first home game of the year of a season where Penn state is going to have more hype than it's had in my lifetime. Like this just feels like the perfect storm for the whiteout to be in week one. You know, maybe people say that's kind of lame that it's going to happen on September 2nd. I say it's great. Like this is going to get students riled up. This is going to put Penn state on a pedestal right out of the gate. And again, Bill, like I've talked about it before. This is the window year. This is one of the window years. This is the last one in the fourteen playoff. Let's get as much hype as we can rolling. Like I, I just think that that West Virginia game, if it's the whiteout, if is indeed the you know um, the kickoff of Big Ten Saturday night, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it'll be really cool to see a a rivalry renewed under the lights. Yeah, it's it's like catnip for NBC, right? If it's going to be your first Big Ten night broadcast, like, and what are the options? Not week one, be... week one's awful in the Big Ten. Yeah, but like you get to then ha- say your first Big Ten night, your first night game in this new television deal thing is like the game, the night game in college. Like when you consider think of night environments in college football, the only thing that like comes close to the amount of reverence is like at night in death Valley. <laughs> like there is not, there is nothing like the Penn state white. I, how many, how many like bits of recruiting material do you think James Franklin has gotten over the year just off of Kirk Herb street talking about the whiteout? Like I'm sure that the people at NBC would love to be able to do that as well. But like, well, hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later. Wait, Bill, um, do you want, do you want to know the Big Ten week one schedule, how awful this is? And let me know Let me know what your thought, thoughts on each of these games. All right, Nebraska-Minnesota on a Thursday. Not going to be Big Ten Saturday night. It's a Thursday. Yeah. Michigan State-Central Michigan on Friday. It's a Friday. All right, are you ready for this? Here we go. Now it's Saturday. Buffalo at Wisconsin. Does that move the needle? Not really. East Carolina at Michigan. No. Fresno State at Purdue. 
Yeah. No. A Big Ten rivalry renewed. Northwestern at Rutgers. Waiting all day for a Saturday night. Ohio State, Indiana. That's the best I, shot. I mean, if you really if you really want to start with a Big Ten game, you do that. But like, as we all know, like as we all know, there's like you don't have to do that. And Indiana would go in there. Ohio State's a little bit worse than usual, uh, but yeah, not yeah, no. Maryland Towson. Yeah, no. Yeah, it doesn't exactly move the needle for me either. Illinois Toledo. No. Utah State Iowa. I Utah State is a uh, Utah State's been a fun football program over the years, but yeah, I don't think that's like we have to put a night game on television levels of good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. So that that's that's where this comes from. I think I think it has to be this Penn State West Virginia game because I this this game means a lot. I think Bill to a generation of fans like ten years older than you and I. Like yeah. I don't remember Penn State West Virginia games because I don't think they played in my lifetime. Like this game is just going to be cool, and I think it'll be. I I really do hope it gets the it gets the fanfare it deserves. Yeah, I, I've told this story, but my uh, my brother in law. Uh, they last played a football game in 1992, so the year I was born. Uh, my brother-in-law's uh, WVU fan comes from a WVU family, uh, and apparently his uh, grandfather views Penn State with the same amount of like vitriol that they view Pitt or they view those kind of right. Like it's legitimately just such a cool thing that they get to do, and I'm I hope that it gets the kind of really special treatment a game like this deserves. Uh, Matt, I think that's it for us. Any final things you want to say before we uh, send the people off to the weekend? Uh, the portal is closed. Uh, graduation is coming up here for Penn State. Good luck to any students listening on their finals. Uh, and uh, enjoy enjoy the summer. Uh, it's another big hurdle in the, uh, in the return to college football this fall is the wrapping of the spring semester. So hopefully, uh, hopefully the transfers get to campus soon, and we'll see what the portal brings. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, as always, for listening uh, to the podcast. Make sure wherever you go to get your podcast that you go uh, subscribe. If you can, leave us a five-star review. Be as nice as you possibly can. Uh, We are not that mean. We would like it if uh, people were nice to us because it's good to be nice to people. Uh, Make sure you're following us over on our Twitter account at RLR blog. And one last time, I want to give a shout out to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the pod. Again, new customers use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR. One word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to the pod. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilbo. Take care, everyone. Joel Hans Embiid, MVP.